It's episode 70 of Offscript with Trish Close, intimate interviews and fun conversations with interesting people. In front of my mic today, I am super lucky to have Andrew Pollock. I met you a couple of weeks ago. You stopped by the station to do an interview with me. Thanks for being here. Oh, thank you. Uh, you are known to a lot of people around the country and around the world because of your involvement. Um, would you call yourself an activist? Uh, I For school safety, uh, so, you know, that yeah. people could learn. I like to educate parents. That's right. my thing now. I want to educate parents uh, what uh, what's going on. I know, and I think it's a very important message that you have. Your daughter, uh, Meadow, was killed in the Parkland, Florida shooting. P yes. People know Parkland very, yeah, very Meadow, well. Yeah, uh, Meadow was murdered uh, February 14th mm -hmm. uh, of 18 and shot nine times on the third floor. Right. And... Now, my life's never been the same since. Never been the same since. We're, we're going to talk about Meadow. We're going to talk about that day a lot and what has come after that. But first, uh, where are you from originally, Andrew Pollock? Uh, I was born in Brooklyn. What? You were born in Brooklyn? <laughs> yeah, if Just, you could tell, right? I'm teasing you. So I was you. born in Brooklyn, and, and then I moved. My parents moved to Long Island. And I lived in Long Island for most of my life. And, okay. And I really uh, think... Uh, New York's probably in my heart, where I, where what is my in my soul, as being a New Yorker. It's definitely in your accent. Yeah, that's for sure. And I just loved growing up. When I grew up in the '80s, it was just a great place to, okay. to live. Pollock is what besides your last name? What is that? Uh, Ukrainian. Really? Ukrainian, Russian, and um, Jewish. Oh wow, that's a nice little melting pot. Who was Jewish? Mom, dad? Well, all of them were. That's the religion. And okay. Then, uh, my grandparents were Ukrainian. Ukrainian. And Russian. Did they, are, were they born in New York or did they come over? No, my grandparents were born uh, in, in Ukraine. Yeah, in, the, in the Ukraine? Ukraine, okay. yeah, Ukraine. They were born in the Ukraine and Russia. Okay. And they had to flee uh, different times for oh, of yeah. persecution. Right. So uh, my parents were the first uh, generation to be born in the States. Wow, that's pretty cool. What was it like growing up in, did you mostly grow up in Long Island? Yeah, I grew up all in Long Island, uh, and I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. In I the 80s? My, yeah, my years, I tell people, it was like the greatest time. Uh, I still remember all the good times. And we had, I tell people, like, now kids are worried about school shootings and, mm -hmm. and where to run, where to hide. Well, when I went to high school, we just worried where we were going to get the cold beer, you know, after <laughs> school, where we're going to drink it, who's having the party on Friday night. Right. It was nothing about, uh, we weren't worried about these things. Uh, At you all. Know, that social media. We, you know, we just had a good time growing up. We worked, we partied, we did our thing in school, and and, and we graduated. I know. I, I think about that, too. I graduated high school in 98, and a school shooting, the first school shooting really for me was Columbine, but I was in college and it just never, it, you, that's something you did not worry about. Yeah, you worried about where you were gonna, where who was gonna you, buy your booze that yeah, weekend. Yeah, and who was having the party, the football right. party, lacrosse party. And and we just had great times. Okay. And I still keep in touch with a lot of uh, my high school buddies. That's awesome. Uh, did you grow up with siblings? Yeah, brother and sister, They all we all moved to Florida from New York. Okay, who, where are you in the lineup? I'm the last. I'm the youngest. You're the baby. I'm the baby of the family, and I'm my the baby sister's too. the oldest. Okay. It's something about being the baby, right? There is. I talk about that a lot on this podcast. People think I'm crazy, but 
there's something about being the baby. We are special. We're treated a little better. We're, well, my siblings were very jealous at certain yeah. times. They always said I got the better of the treatment. But also good. by the third one, your parents aren't as uh, strict. Mm -hmm. So they were more lenient probably mm -hmm. with me than what my other, what my two, my brother and my sister. I mean, we're the best looking. We're the funniest. Kind of like the la everybody wants to hang they out saved with the, us. They saved the best, best for, for last. last. Exactly. Right? So true. So you grow up in Long Island, what do you, what were you like in high school besides looking for the party? Were you just a fun guy? Were you an athlete? I was, I wasn't much of a student, you know, <laughs> but I went, I had to go on test day just to make sure I passed. Yeah. That was what, what I had to do in high right. school. But I was, uh, I always knew what, that being a student wasn't for me. I was always into business. Mm. Uh, I was, at, I started working when I was like probably about 12. Uh, Doing what? Pa paper routes back then. I had nice. a paper route in the morning, like the newspaper. I delivered before school, and then I had one after. Mm -hmm. And then I always had. I was always in a business all the way uh, up until I was forty-nine. What did you want to be when you grew up? Did you know? Uh, or were you a I, floater? Uh, no, no, I was never a floater. I always worked. I and I worked like nonstop. Mm -hmm. So I had. I was in the scrap metal business for over ten years in New York. Uh, that was a played a big role in uh, what I did. And I, I was just an entrepreneur, and I liked being my own boss. I liked making my own hours, and I wasn't good at taking orders from people. Hmm. Sounds interesting. I, I could guess that about you. You yeah. didn't like taking orders from anybody. Yeah, and, you know, my, and, and that's what it, if you have your own business, mm -hmm. you know, it comes with a lot of stress. You know, mm -hmm. I see friends now that went the other path, and they became cops. And they got great pensions, you know, 80, 90, 100,000 a year, and they never had the stress that I've had. But, you know, when you when you work for a government or something like that, yeah. you, you, your pay is always the same and there's never any stress, if not as much. Have you had stress with work? Oh, you know, it's like when any business, when you own your own business mm -hmm. with receivables and, and I had trucks, you know, the truck breaks down, the guy doesn't show up to work, totally. stuff like that. But uh, it, in the end of the day, it, it paid off. Mm -hmm. You know, now I'm pretty much semi-retired. Nice. And I... Like today, I told you, I closed on my property here in, in Oregon. I know. You just moved to Oregon. Yep. Which is why, again, I met you a few weeks ago, and I just thought how great it would be to have you on my podcast. But you have moved to Southern Oregon, and I want to say welcome to Southern Oregon. It's one of the most beautiful places. Yeah, I, I'm really liking it. Good. You know, Good. I really, I looked all over the place, and I really, I like the close proximity to Reading, where my wife's family's mm -hmm. from. and. But you weren't going to live in California. No, I'm not going to live with those people in California. <laughs> I, I got away from that in Florida. Okay. I didn't come here to be around that type of element. So okay. I, I really enjoy being out here in Jacksonville, out okay. east. All right, beautiful. And so um, let's get back, though, to uh, Long Island. You, you said you married your high school sweetheart? Yes. Okay. Um, and you guys had children together? Three kids. Three. I had two boys. Uh, Huck is my oldest. Mm -hmm. He's 23 now. That's an adorable 24. name, by the way. And then Hunter. Hunter, a lot of people see on, he's been on TV a lot. Mm -hmm. He's very outspoken, and I'm, pr I'm proud of all my boys. And he's studying now in FSU, and he's studying to take his uh, LS, uh, LSATs. Oh, he wants he to be wants an attorney? He wants to be an attorney now. Good yeah, for he him. never went to school. So his life turned around after the, what happened, seeing what happened to his sister. Yeah. And he uh, he's striving to be successful. Uh, both of my sons, one's into the finance. I love that. And he's in school. And then Meadow was already enrolled. She was enrolled in a university in Boca Raton, mm -hmm. and uh, she never made it. So yeah. So we know yeah. about that. Uh, where does the name Huck come from? 
Oh, I used to read it in Huck, Huck Finn. Finn. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Yeah, so he's, uh, it was funny. So uh, his, when he was born, we named him Dylan, mm-hmm. and his middle name was Huck. But we always called him Huck. So he went to school, and they were calling Dylan, Dylan, and no, he wasn't answering <laughs> he it. He wasn't answering He didn't answer. So I'm like, <laughs> so we went and changed it uh, to his first name. So, mm-hmm. and now it's Huck. Okay. So you decide to, at what point do you decide to move the family to Florida? Uh, my parents moved, okay. my sister, my brother moved, and I was working like around the clock in the scrap metal business, and I got an opp- opportunity to sell it. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted, I figured it would be a better life for my kids. Uh, it turned out it, w- it was the worst thing I could have done. But Florida, you know, the weather was great, sports all the time, mm-hmm. and it was a nice community. It wasn't like a, it was like an upper class community I moved to where there wasn't even a street light in the community wow. and it was just a nice I thought I was making the right decision but I, I evidently I didn't how old were the kids when you moved did you move to Parkland or right outside Parkland oh uh, new to Parkland I okay. lived in Parkland and my kids uh, were you know under 10 when I moved okay um, and you were still married to your yeah, wife I was married okay but you guys got divorced in 09 you said yeah 09 okay. they were like you know my, my kid must have been about 12 13 my oldest okay um, was it something where there was a divorce, but you both were still very involved in your children? Yeah, I was always, I lived very close and, uh, you know, I coached my kids growing up and uh, my, my kids are my whole life. You know, I always put my kids first, mm-hmm. but you know, you think, you know, you, when I think about it, you don't really, you think you're sending them to a good school and you, you, you know, have made a mistake. Um, well. Yes. Uh, are you close with your parents and your siblings still? Yeah, my dad passed a couple of years ago, and mm-hmm. my mom uh, I talk to all the time, and my sons almost every day I speak with. Okay. It's cr- crazy now I'm talking to them because they got that hurricane that they're bordering. Right. Dorian, we were just talk- yeah. so talking about hopefully, that. Hopefully, uh, you know, they're in South Florida. Hopefully mm-hmm. it moves north. Exactly. Um, and every all the family is still in Florida. Everyone is it's in Broward County. Okay. So... Let's fast forward a little bit. Um, your kids are growing up. I mean, going to school, fairly successful, right? I uh, mean, I had the greatest life. Uh, I mar- met a, a wonderful woman uh, who I'm married to now. Right. And I had the greatest life. She's uh, an ER physician. I own real estate. You know, and we had everything to look forward to. Well, we had our freedom. Our kids were older. Mm-hmm. We were preparing to take. You know, we loved to travel. Mm-hmm. I was work. I was going to the gym like twice. I loved working out. We we both did CrossFit together, and we enjoyed it. And everything couldn't have been better up until that day. Right, that day, uh, February fourteenth, uh, two thousand eighteen. Yeah. Correct. Let's talk about that a little bit. Um, your two boys are out of school. They graduated, right? No, they're oh that school, yeah, but they were in, they're in college now. Right. Uh, Meta was a senior, getting senior. ready to graduate. She was graduating, already ex- accepted into the college. What did she want to do? What did she, she wanted to be a lawyer. And you know what? It, uh, she was the most like me, my daughter. The, the other, you know, I tell stories like we'd take them to the doctor for a shot, mm-hmm. and the two boys would cry, and she, my daughter would just take it, you know. And she was so tough, and she knew she had me wrapped around her finger, whatever she wanted. Mm. She knew how to work daddy. So, well, but, she was also the baby, too. Yeah, she was the baby, and, you know, uh, she knew how to work me, but she was so tough. And she was beautiful, and she was uh, like a tomboy also, mm-hmm. but she could put a dress on and be a supermodel. 
and she was smart and she was just Stunning. very outgoing and beautiful girl you saw the pictures and mm -hmm. taken from me i just realized i sort of just did the math in my head uh this was just last february this was just last oh, this year this february will be two years yeah okay so this was in 2017 18 18. We're going in this February be 2020. Okay, you're right, you're right, you're right. I can't. I'm a journalist. I can't add very well. My apologies. All right. But this was just. I'll help you. Thank you. Not this past February, but this was just last year. Yeah. This happened know. just last year. This is so fresh still. I'm devastated. I can't even like tell you uh, what it what it's done to me and how it changed me and uh, like I can't even. It's hard for me to even enjoy my life at, at anything I do. Right. If I go out, you know, I get people invite me to weddings. I don't want to go to a wedding. You know right. what I mean? I don't even want to. I can't even go out and have a good time. I go out, you know, I'll do things. But to go out and be happy and enjoy myself is very difficult. Do you find sometimes that, you know, you're out with some friends maybe or you have friends over and, and someone makes a joke and, and you laugh and you almost instantly stop yourself because you're like, I, I can't be happy? Uh, not really that way. I just, uh, I can't be happy at doing planning things to, to go out, even I with see. my family and stuff. But I, 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 once in a while, if someone tells me a good joke, I'll laugh, you know. Good. You but, have to. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't, it's not that way. It's just like it's hard for me to go and enjoy things, knowing all, all these things that, that broke yeah. my, tore my heart out. Uh, when was the last time you saw Meadow? Oh, it couldn't have been a few days before she was living with her mom, mm -hmm. you know, but we, she texts uh, all the time, you know, okay. and I'm always in touch with my sons of course. and my daughter. Well, you don't think, obviously, you don't think that something like this is going to happen, so you that's don't the, feel that's that the need. Problem. No one thinks that it could happen to them, right? and then it happens. It happens. So that that's the problem. So tell me about that day. February 14th. Oh, that day was Valentine's Day. Yep. So I was on a, I went with a picnic with my wife and then the phone just started ringing. And you, Your you cell think, phone? Yeah, my phone was ringing. I was on a bike and we were like, you know, we we're making a loop. It was a few miles, the loop. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, my phone rang and you don't think anything Oh, that. There was a shooting. You know, you don't think it's a massacre. You just think it was some type of accidental shooting or something happened at the school. But I wouldn't think it was a massacre. And then as the day we were trying to get home, and then we didn't go to the school, we couldn't hear, we couldn't get her on the phone, so we didn't go to the school. And we ended up, then we went to the hospitals looking for her, and we couldn't find her in the hospitals. And by like, after that, I once you don't hear from your kid in this day and age, I knew that it, it wasn't good. Mm -hmm. And then they, the, the tec detectives came to my house about two in the morning that night. But I, we couldn't, we didn't reach her the whole time, so I knew that it wasn't going to be good news. I oh, it was already like yeah. accepting it. At, uh, I mean, well, at that point though, do you just have this? Because obviously, there's always going to be hope. There's going to be some sort of hope that your kid is not one of the victims. At some point though, when you're like learning, I, I just don't think I don't think Meadow made it. Do you just have this like sick? Fe what what's happening? By six o'clock, I knew. Because, you know, even if your kids, there's someone next to them with a phone. You're yeah. going to call their mother, you know right. what I mean? She would have called their mother right away. And we, my wife's an ER doctor, so she knew everybody that worked in the hospitals. So we went and checked the hospitals. I sent my wife into the OR room to look to see if it was metal. And so I knew by 6 o'clock that she must have been murdered. And then I found out. Then they came by 2 in the morning. You know, we just were waiting there. All the family got together, and we were just waiting. Mm. And it was just uh, a day I'll never forget. And it's just, 
I still can't believe it that it happened to me that, you know, I look at pictures all the time and I think about her all the time, but I, you still don't think it's real. Like, how could it have been my daughter out of, like, you know, out of all the people, my daughter got murdered at the school. It's hard to believe that it could happen, but yeah. it's happened and it's happened again. This uh, this particular shooting at Parkland was was random. I mean, it's not like Meadow was a target. This no, no, but it was. This kid was a sick kid, and uh, that's what pushed me to write my book. Mm -hmm. And uh, everything that happened after the shooting pushed me to look into what happened. Right. She was on the third floor third of the school? Floor, and no one was going to save her at all. Okay. They hid the cop, the detect, the cops hid outside the building. We're going to talk about that. Did they tell you, because I know you have details about how she was killed. Um, I mean, you, you tell me. She was up there on the third floor, and I'm a, the shooter was up there as well. Yeah. And what did they tell you that she, she well, did? Well, I know uh, what's horrible is the school was supposed to play, replace the fire alarms, and they didn't because it was supposed to be on a delayed system. So when you shoot uh, a firearm inside, it, it, smoke comes out of the gun. So the smoke let the fire, made the fire alarms go off. So my daughter's teacher just has to happen to be an imbecile. Uh, she was on the third floor. There was 90 rounds that went off, okay, and then the smoke alarms went off. Okay. And so she had her students go out into the hallway. There hasn't been a fire in a school where a kid died since 1960. So my daughter's teacher opened the door, let all the kids out. After hearing all the rounds go off, and then uh, she got shot four times down the hallway, and then the teacher shut the door and locked the kids, locked people out that couldn't get back in. So my daughter was trapped out in the hallway, and then she covered one of the other girls, Kara, she covered her, and uh, the, this you know, animal came and shot my uh, daughter another five times at point blank, and the bullets went through my daughter. And it killed the girl underneath it, too. Killed Karen. both of them. Both of them while she was trying to save her. Mm. And this teacher closed the door and went inside. And But other teachers uh, that I keep in touch with on the third floor recognized what was going on because they had the proper training and, and maybe a higher IQ. Mm -hmm. And they left, they shut the doors, and they didn't let any of their kids out. And, and they were heroes, these teachers. Yeah. A lot of a lot of teachers do a really good job oh, in yeah, these situations. Oh, yeah, and it's training. Uh, it's training and... You know, just having common sense mm -hmm. to not to, to not have let those kids out. But they, you know, the, I keep in touch with the teachers from the third floor. That's nice. Uh, That's others nice. and I, they they were really affected by it, uh, uh, traumatized. Uh, to this day, they're still traumatized of what they saw and what they went through. I can't imagine. I can't imagine having to go back and teach. Two weeks they had to go back without any mental health uh, care, and it was pretty rough. They had to go back, and they're still, they're never, like me, they're not going to be the same. They walked over bodies, you know, to get out of the classroom, and they had to go back to work within two weeks. They made them go back, and so, and they have to see that building every day. It's yeah. still up. They, they surrounded it because it's a crime scene, so there's like, uh, you know, like a, like a wall going around, right. like a fence a barricade around the building because there's still, uh, it's a crime scene still for, for the trial. Um. How, how do you know that they didn't get any mental health? Did they tell you that? I'm friend, I know them. Okay. Uh, and they, they said they, they didn't get any counseling? No counseling at all. Wow. They need, they need it. I, I hope they're going to this day. That almost seems criminal. That it's you just horrible, your... you know, uh, what they everyone's went through, and they didn't get the proper mental health care. And then we had a couple of suicides a year later in the town, some other students, 
Because uh, it was just killed. too much. They just, I don't, they just, one of them was Meadows' friend that killed themselves. Okay. Let's, um, a lot of investigations actually came out of the shooting. A lot. We, we did a lot in Florida. I give uh, what, what we got accomplished in Florida. A lot of other states could learn from what we did. Okay. Um, news stories essentially came out that the deputies arriving on scene or that were on scene didn't do anything. Some of them they stayed act, outside. They actually, I have a body camera that I've played on my social media and uh, that they pulled up and mm -hmm. they heard the shots, if you could believe it. Kids, like they're at, it's not like you're at a liquor store. They mm -hmm. pull up to a school with his children in it and he's taking his time, put his, his vest on in the trunk mm -hmm. while the shots are going off on the third floor. And the, and the school resource officer, was they drove him to the building where the doors were and told them the shooting is on going on inside, and the killer was still on the first floor. It, all he had to do was open up the door, and he could have had a clear shot at him or just yelled at him. Most of the time, they, they're cowards. They kill themselves or they surrender. Mm -hmm. So uh, he didn't do it, and that's when he was on the first floor. So if he would have just went in the building, he could have saved everybody on that third floor, the deputy. and and. With my uh, investigation and getting the governor elected and meeting with the DA, they uh, recently they had him. They arrested him. Mm, yeah. That deputy for right. not going in, and it's all because of uh, me working with Ron DeSantis, the governor. If he w if he didn't become the governor, we wouldn't have seen any accountability. What did you think when you heard those reports that he didn't that they didn't they didn't really do any action? Oh, there's, there was just made me so sick, man. There's, and there's so many. There was like six of them, like three or four of them. I, I can't even keep track. Lost mm -hmm. their jobs now mm -hmm. because also the governor uh, uh, removed the sheriff of the county. Right. The, uh, you know, a sitting sheriff is a pretty big, bold move. That yes. he, the first week he got elected, Ron DeSantis. He's going to run for president, Ron. He's, he's got a good shot at it. Okay. So the first week in office, Ron removed that sheriff that failed everybody in the community. And then, then the new sheriff came in, who I knew and they, who I know, and they removed, I think, three or four of the deputies now that didn't go in with their investigation. So, uh, you know, the, all I could do now is get accountability for my daughter, from everybody, from the school board to the sheriff's department yeah. to the mental health people. They all failed her. Uh, after Parkland, we also saw, for the first time really with a school shooting, we saw a huge amount of students speaking out. Um, yeah and became overnight celebrities, really, um, if you think about it. A lot of these students were on new shows, across, I mean, as you were, but um, these students really came out and said, no more school shootings. Um, and I know you have opinions about those students. Well, I, I'm gonna, I don't, it's the facts, what I'm gonna tell you, because I lived it. I don't need to make it up. Uh, they got on the bandwagon on gun control, and I, if it was gun control and I did my investigation, I would have been right there with them. Mm -hmm. But when I look into all the failures, how everyone let everyone down, uh, it wasn't, no gun law would have prevented him from being able to buy that weapon. What, what the problem was, he committed so many crimes. He threatened people's lives. He punched his mother's teeth out. He trespassed at the school. He wrote, he carved swastikas into the, table at school mm -hmm. and had the n-word on his backpack never arrested so uh, he dreamt of blood to his mental health case workers and he was allowed to go back to school yeah yep and 
he never was arrested for all these things that he did. Okay. So if he would have been arrested, first of all, it would have came up on his uh, background when they looked at the FBI. They got a tip he was going to be a shooter. The FBI, we didn't even get into that. They failed my daughter miserably. They never followed up on the, on the tips. So if he would have been arrested, it would have showed up on the FBI's uh, list when they pulled in on the computer. Mm-hmm. Or if he would have been arrested when he went to go for threatening people's lives, which is a felony, he wouldn't have been able to buy the rifle. So that, that's what I look into. That's why if you read in the news lately, they're stopping a lot of these mass shootings lately. People are seeing something, saying something, but then you gotta prosecute these sociopaths. You know what I mean? They're, they're, they're terrible people, they're criminals. What do we, you know, what, what do we gain by not arresting these people? So you need, like the Dayton shooter, there was just a, he did right. the same thing at school. He threatened people's lives. He threatened to rape people. Same thing with my daughter's murderer. Mm-hmm. If you don't arrest them, they don't have a background, mm-hmm. right? So if you arrest them, that's what I want. I want if someone's threatening people's lives, punching their mother's teeth out, uh, doing hate crimes, uh, they, they should be arrested, and then there would be a background. So that's really uh, what, what should be going on, and it is starting to go on now. When people are saying something, you're, reading, you're seeing it in the paper now, these people are getting arrested and are being charged with felonies, yeah. so then they won't be, the laws are in place to prevent them from buying a weapon. But they need to be arrested so it goes on their background. And if you don't arrest these people, which these policies that, it, that it, we could talk about that came, started with Obama, these policies of not holding kids accountable doesn't give them a background. So it doesn't make, it, doing any background check isn't gonna make a difference if we don't hold criminals accountable and arrest them. Yeah, and you also have told me that you feel there were several factors it was almost like the perfect storm in this case because there were so many different issues, what you so found out. So many. that, And I know it's facts. Like, I'm not, I have it all, we documented it, and we did interviews, and I spoke with so many people, resource officers, mental health people, teachers, uh, over a year's worth of research uh, to document it so mm-hmm. I could educate parents so that they know what's going on in their schools. What do you think parents... Um, you know, your book is really geared towards parents to make sure that this this tragedy doesn't hit any other family. What is your advice for parents? I mean, should they be asking questions about um, an active shooter drill, like how they train? I mean, what, well, what should we be asking? the main at? thing is, like, I've met with the president a few times and senators, governors. We did so much on school safety, but after meeting with them, and they wanted to help, but they can't really do much for parents at a local level because mm-hmm. there's kids like this in every school. Like they can't, right. pe- parents can't just say, like parents will say, oh, it can't happen to me because that's what I said. Then it happened in Texas and Santa yep. Fe. Yep. You know, then it happened in Ohio. You know, it's going to keep happening. So parents, the best thing was they, they could see what happened in my book and see all the failures. But it's very important because these leniency policies started by Obama. Just, just say so your kid's not even, so there's a good, very good chance your kid will never get shot at a school. But you're putting them in an environment, like at my daughter's school, they, they're allowed to get four misdemeanors per school year, if you could imagine that, the kids. Four misdemeanors without getting reported to the Department of Justice. Mm-hmm. So it's crazy. So I parents should know, do you want to put your kid in that environment? Right. So to me, I don't need, I don't want to really, not that I don't, all these guys are my friends, these politicians, but for me, I want to, like, I couldn't say, like, I could literally say I didn't know 
right? Because I didn't know what was going on at the school. They had to, if you could believe it, they frisked this kid every morning before school, and he couldn't even come in with a backpack. Because how, he was labeled he was dangerous. dangerous. Yeah, but they let him into school with my daughter, but they didn't tell the parents. So it's up to the parents. Like, parents, I don't want, I didn't know. Now, everyone on your podcast should know, are these policies going on at your school, right? Because you're responsible. Parents, you know, the president isn't responsible for your kid at the school. Everyone writes me, what has the president done? You know, because all, all these Trump haters are on my social media. What, mm-hmm. The president did a lot. But, for, you know, I know he did a lot, and I met with him six times. He had a whole federal school commission. But he can't do anything for parents at a local level. It's the parents that have to get together and say, you know what, this is insane. You know, we can't have kids. You know, we all want to help kids. I'm not for not helping kids that are problem kids. But where are the rights to the kids that just want to go and learn? Like my daughter, she wanted to go to school, hang out with her friends. 99% of them mm-hmm. want to just do that. And, but they don't get any rights for being good kids. If you're a nutcase, right, and you're violent, they give you more rights than the whole rest of the school. And, and, it's, and they group them in as some of them as special needs also, even if they're violent. Like if a kid has dyslexic, if dyslexia or he's mm-hmm. learning disabilities and he's not disruptive, that's great. Let's put him in the school. Right. Let's mainstream him. But the problem is they have these mentally sick kids also, and they group them in. So between that and the leniency policies, Mm -hmm. and they're in Oregon. These policies are in a big part of the uh, the whole country. You know, I I was just telling you, uh, California, now it's gonna be law in California. Can you imagine? If a kid's disruptive, they can't can't suspend them or or, or expel. And that's gonna be in the public schools. They're making that a law. It's gonna be a law in California. And you know, a lot of, you know, hopefully Oregon, I'm out here, I can't have Oregon come and be another California. You know, we can't have that. But parents, it's up to you uh, where you send your kids uh, to school. You you decide what environment. And there are options for parents. That's what I tell them. I don't want to talk to politicians no more. I just want a parent. You know what? I don't want to hear, like I could honestly say, like I said, I didn't know. Parents now listening, you can't say, oh, I didn't know that that kid was in the school. You need to My know. Kid. You, need you need to, to know, know, and you're responsible for your children. And that's why I wrote the book, and that's why I'm out going to do this book tour. So I, I want to be the last one to say, I, I can't believe it. Right. I didn't know, and I can't believe it happened to me. What do you say? Well, first of all, you were, I mean, you became very famous overnight. Uh, the nation saw you. It was a was like a study session at the White House? A uh, listening session. Listening and, session. And I wasn't even supposed to go to it. It just happened last minute with did the president. They, did they call on you? Did they ask you to speak, or did you want to speak? Well, what happened it, He's a good guy, the president, I, and don't believe everything you hear on the news. I mean, a lot of people would disagree with yeah, that. Yeah, well, they don't met him. I, I met him personally over the last year and a half, six times, and he's listened to me. He formed a uh, federal school commission because of when we sat down and I met with him. They made He made over 100 recommendations to make schools safer. But like I told you, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter what he says at a federal level. At your local level, they do whatever they want. They don't have to follow the policy. They don't have to listen to your governor either. Mm -hmm. So he did that. He met with me uh, a few times, and and that was – so he called me, not him personally, you know, like one of his staff members called me and wanted me to go to D.C., and I said, I'll come to D.C. if he'll meet with me. I don't want to go and be part of a group. 
Nice uh, negotiation. Uh, yeah, because I, I didn't need a tour. My daughter was just murdered. I, I don't care about meeting the president at that point. If he wants to sit and be serious, then I'll sit and talk with him. Nice. But to, for a photo op or to go get a tour, I, don't, I didn't need that. My daughter was just murdered. Do you think that listening session was just sort of made for TV, or do you think it was important? No, he's, well, I didn't go for it. I didn't know about the listening session. Okay, gotcha. I just went, and I, he accommodated my family. My, bro, my two sons came, and my daughter's boyfriend. We sat in the Oval mm -hmm. Office, and that's when he wrote down, took notes, and that's when he decided to put the school, uh, Federal School Safety mm -hmm. Commission together. And then he goes, you know, we're having a, uh, we're going to meet in the other room. Do you want to come with he me? He invited you, okay. Yeah, and I didn't. He goes, you don't have to. We're just doing, he goes, I said, all right, we'll, we'll go. And then they put some chairs in the back row, and then they were just talking. And then w then I gave that speech. You got fired up. Oh, listen, my daughter wasn't there. Yeah. I'm fired this up was now. What, this was what, a week after? A week after my daughter was murdered. And then, and you know, like I said, everybody, even Fox, was on gun control, gun control. Gun, I go, I, I just wanted to find out the facts. Mm -hmm. And then, even, you know, when we tried to find out the facts from the school board, they weren't very transparent. And the superintendent, who's run, this guy Runcy, who's like, I, I can't stand the guy, he, uh, he said it's fake news, everything we were asking him. And then even some of the other families, okay, you know, that are Democrats, this, it's a big Democrat county, would go to the school board meeting and they want they went for accountability over these programs and they bust people in and they called the families for wanting accountability racist for for wanting accountability on an african-american uh, superintendent which, which it has nothing to do with color a kid we i look at kid at not color i look at kids need accountability it doesn't matter what color you are so they called them racist and uh but but now you know it's all coming out, and I, I did my in, my investigation, and it's now it's the parents' choice. You want to go on a gun control bandwagon, then and not look at what the facts are, then roll the dice and send your kid to the public schools if those programs are there. But I, mm -hmm. I really want people to see what's going on with it. Yeah. Uh, so and and it's in the book, and and I don't want them to say they didn't know. A parent can't say I didn't know. When something happens at the school yeah and I think a lot of a lot of groups and media when something like this happens we immediately go toward gun control and mental health um, it seems to be that way yeah what do you say to people who look at you Andrew Pollack and say he's a gun loving on Fox News all the time he's in this box and we're not gonna listen to him I would say that what's crazy I'm gonna tell you so the whole thing when it came out is I just wanted to be a school safety guy. I want the teachers safe. I want my students safe. Okay? And if, just because I said that, I, I want school safety. Maybe we need more guards. Maybe we need a single point of entry. Maybe we need more mental health. Yeah. All those things I said, if I don't say gun control, I'm labeled Republican. It's exactly. sick. It's freaking sick. It's man. insane, actually. It is insane. If, so if, I don't want a gun debate with people. I'm right. not a gun expert. Listen, when we fixed the airports, was there a gun debate? When we fixed the federal yeah. buildings, was there a gun debate? So but now, you just hit it. You just hit it. If it's if if we're looking for gun control, oh, that's the Democrats. If it's yeah. not gun control, oh, it's the Republicans. And I just there's I no one issue, right? Well, it should be just school Let's safety. Let's fix it. Yeah, fix it. Why can't we make the schools safer? Why am I? Why are you labeling me? So yeah. if I just want to fix the schools, so really it was 
if that's what they want to label me, I'm fine with it. I want my kids, all the kids safe, and I want the teachers safe. Right. I don't need, there's a gun debate for 200 years. We're never going to solve all the gun issues. I, why mix that with school safety? Make the school safe. Mm-hmm. And, and a big part of it, we have laws in place to prevent criminals from buying guns. It needs to be implemented, mm-hmm. okay? We need, and the mental illness is a big issue. So mm-hmm. when, mental, when people have a mental illness and they're violent, they need to be committed, and it needs to be put on their background. If we don't do that, they have no background. Right. So we're not we're not protect we're not protected. So they need to really uh, put that put a big emphasis on uh, putting that on people that are violent. And there's a lot of mentally ill people that are violent, making threats. What what are, what are we not doing by not putting that on their background? And, you know, and keeping them safe. Yeah, they're keeping them safe. But look, they could always buy stuff illegal. Look, drugs are illegal. They, drug addicts get it, right? But it would just make it a little harder for people to get it legally. They mm-hmm. wouldn't be able to get it. And I don't have an issue with, nobody does, preventing mentally ill, violent people from getting a weapon or yeah. criminals from getting a weapon. So I really, for, through what I've learned, if we just did that, we'd end like 70% of the mass shootings. Uh, yeah. If we just arrested people for making threats and we put uh, mentally ill uh, people, we put that on their background. But, you know, I just want people, there's a lot of people with mental illness. I'm talking people that are violent and make threats. The doctors know who they are right. from an early age. Uh, they, they, they know. So there, there's no reason to let them be able to purchase a, a gun. But I think we agree on that. I I am sick to death of separating groups and opinions. If you have this opinion, you must be part of this group. Yeah. If you have this opinion, you're a part of this group. When really something like a school shooting and fixing it and not having it happen again is not going to be one it's not going to be one thing there's going to be several there's factors several that things go into that it. go into it and we did it in Florida you know we you know it's Florida's a republican run state thank god you know uh, it, it, we got Wait some are you republican? Uh, what do you think? Teasing you. Uh, I'm living out in the country here. So, <laughs> but I'm Republican. I want school safety. So that makes me a Republican. But Florida, we did a lot of stuff. We reached across the aisle in Florida. I was, you know, a lot of people are against these mm-hmm. red floor laws, uh, flag, whatever they call them. Red, red flag, flag, yeah. Red flag. A lot of Republicans are against it. But, you know, when they do due process, they're very good. They're saving a lot of lives. Mm-hmm. In Florida, I didn't write the bill, but. I, I worked with other people to get it done. I wouldn't have put this in there. They raised the age to buy a rifle to 21. So we bent, you know what I mean? We gave, both sides gave in Florida, mm-hmm. and we raised the age to 21. I, pro- I wouldn't have had it in there, but we had to give to get, like in marriage. You married? Yeah, yeah so, I am. Okay, so a, a lot, lot of, of negotiation. It's like a marriage, mm-hmm. so, and that's how government should be. Listen, you can't, it's always not one way. So in Florida, we got a lot of stuff passed, and a lot of people could learn from what we did in Florida. We had a, look, there was a mass shooting. We had Governor Scott, a good friend of mine, he, now he's a senator. He didn't just have a, a special session on gun control. He formed a commission of like 14 commissioners. Uh, I was on it. A bunch of people, like sheriffs, lawyers, to look into the what happened so we could prevent it from happening again. Like the, this governor, like the one in Virginia, the guy's having a special session on gun control because of the shooting. Uh, in Virginia, in Virginia Beach. So you, in order to prevent things from repeating itself, you should look into the facts of what happened. And when I looked into a lot of the facts in Florida, uh, he never had a background, this kid. So And he should have had one, and he never would have been able to purchase the rifle. So that's yeah. a big part of uh, 
like what I talk about with the mental illness and, right. and uh, arresting criminals. Uh, when did you start writing your book? Uh, well, what happened was uh, a person, uh, a reporter came down from D.C. Mm -hmm. who's an expert in uh, education policy. And we spoke and he started writing an article and then I kept giving him witnesses to talk to. And he says, Andy, I can't, it can't be an article, we gotta do a book. So we started uh, documenting everything we did with the research. He's a journalist or uh, a writer? He, he's or... a writer, he works for the Manhattan Institute. Okay. He's a senior fellow in the Manhattan Institute. Okay. And he was there to do an article. Like, yeah, he, he, was a, uh, he was there, a journalist, to do an article on okay. edge. Because what happened was the superintendent he said, the, so the Promise program was this program of giving these kids chance after chance after chance. So the superintendent at one of the school board meetings said, the killer was never in the Promise program while in high school. Okay. So when he said that, we, the bell went off. He goes, I go, why is he being so deceitful and saying he's a Harvard grad while in high school? We thought to ourselves, this guy's lying, man. He must have been in it when he was in middle school. And a month later, it came out, he was lying, it came out, he was in middle school. That's how deceitful the superintendent is. So then we started doing our investigation, and it came out that it's all these policies uh, that are in schools throughout the country that create a culture of leniency throughout the school districts where kids aren't held accountable. Hmm. So the book was started shortly after? Shortly, uh, and then we decided to make it into a book. And now we, we have a screenplay, too, uh, that wow. we put together. Look at you. What's yeah. the name of the book? Why Meadow Died. Okay. The People and Policies That Created the Parkland Shooter. Okay. Why do all of this? Why investigate? Why fight so hard? Why write a book? Why travel so much? Why talk to the president six times? You know, you could really just move somewhere and just grieve? Uh, I love my daughter so much and she deserves accountability. And I despise these people like you wouldn't even know. And I didn't always, I was never political, you know. And the love that I have for my daughter, I can't let these people get away with it. So, and why, if I could, I'm saving lives right now. I know I am because of the law that I got passed and, and the uh, people write me throughout the country how now they have armed guards at their schools and they thank me. And I, I don't, I, like I told you, I don't want another parent to say they didn't know. You know, and, and that's the purpose of my book now. I don't need the politicians I'm friends with. They're good guys, but they can't help you at a local level. And I don't want a parent to say, oh, my God, I can't believe it. I didn't know. There's options, okay? Yeah. And I, look, I'm miserable. My life's done. But why should a parent put their kid in an environment like I did? And I didn't know. It's easy to find out. Read all the facts that happened to me. You could go to your kid's school. You could talk to the, I don't even think they have armed guards in Oregon. Do they? They don't. It's crazy, you know? You're rolling the dice. Uh, they're school resource officers. But are they armed? I believe so, yeah. Okay, so then that's, that's a start. Let me check on that. I don't know, but I want, listen, you guys might think I'm overreacting, you know, this is Oregon, but listen, they, these school shootings, you know, I wouldn't do it. And I just, from what happened to me and what I see with other families and every, everyone says, oh, you just don't think it could happen, but mm -hmm. then it happens. So I wouldn't, I know that there's a Christian school in Medford, they, someone just wrote me that they, now they have a guard at it, but I wouldn't put my kid and then I would go make sure all the doors are locked, make sure there's single point of entries. You know, uh, I don't think I'm overreacting, but your parents are responsible. You know, if, if, if a kid gets shot, 
you know, God forbid something happens in Oregon and there's no armed guard. Mm -hmm. It's not like the parents didn't know you need armed guards at the school. So parents need to ask questions. They need to go yes. visit their school. They I need would to go. go there after, see if you could get in. How, what, what, what's the security like? Right. Are you okay with it? You want to roll the dice with your, with your kid yeah. every day? I don't want to do it. And, and like, you know, of course, I was like everyone else that's watching. It can't happen to me. Yeah. You know, it's how, how did it happen to me? And the idea of doing that, the idea of asking questions and looking at policies and going to the school. I mean, that sounds like a pain in the ass. But if if, if that's what if that's what it's going to take, if your kid doesn't safe, come home at the end of the day. And this is, is the it, life we're in right now. This is the world we're living that's in. That's what I tell people. I can't like I, I, I sound like I'm overreacting, but I, we can't fix society. You know what I mean? The population's mm -hmm. doubled since I was a kid and you can't fix society. But you could put your kid in the right environment. You can. You know, even if he doesn't get shot, do you want him with a kid that's committing crimes in mm -hmm. the same classroom? They can't suspend them or, or expel. And the, these programs, I'm, I know they're in Oregon. Are you going to do anything to change programs in Oregon now that you're living here? Um, I'm educating parents. That's what I want. I don't want to work with bureaucrats. Uh, you just want to help families. Yeah, but, and I don't, but I don't want Oregon to turn into California. You right. know, if I could help in any way like that, I, I, I'm open to probably meeting with the GOP here in Oregon. And I, my main thing is, though, parents are, it's up to them. Whether, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, I don't want to hear it. If you, it's up to you are in charge of your kids' environment, yeah. right? So if you're a Democrat, you know what I mean? I, I don't care. I, I'm, I'm telling you the facts. You take it for what you want to, you know, take it for what I'm telling you. Uh, when does the book come out? September 10th. They could pre-order now on Amazon, which okay. will help me. I want to try and get onto the New York Times bestsellers list. And I'll be starting my book tour. I don't even want to leave Oregon. You know, I'll be here. Uh, we I'm have here that now. effect on people. Yeah, I don't want to leave. I love my ranch that I bought. So, But I have to go and uh, push this book out. And so parents get the word out that they know what to look for and, uh, and yeah. know where to put their kids in school. Because I always tell them, I do, if you can't afford private, I would do whatever I could to send my kid to private school, knowing the difference of the policies that they don't have to take these kids that are troubled in the private schools. Yeah. And if you, you can't afford it, then uh, you could always homeschool or there's certain charter schools, but there's options. You know, I even tell parents, yes, I said, well, then you got to move. You know, and there are some there are some excellent public schools too there is. So that are you, doing everything right. Everything right. You have to look into it and maybe you got to move to where that school is, you know, okay. but I wouldn't roll the dice. Uh, knowing, I know there was uh, some a friend of mine's sister worked in by Portland. They almost had a shooting. The coach had to tackle the kid coming in with a shotgun. Yeah. That was recently. They, luckily, that coach was there to stop it. But these policies are in Oregon, and read my book so uh, you could educate yourself some more. Okay. Are you going to run for office? I don't know, man. I can't. What's his name? Kavanaugh's a saint. Was a saint compared to me. Growing up, you know what I mean. <laughs> you talk about Judge Kavanaugh. Yeah, yeah. You see what they did. So to they that would guy? start digging up some oh, dirt. My, not dirt. It's just who wants to go through that crap, you know? No, I don't want to go through that, man. I'd rather help. I like help. I got Senator Scott elected. I helped Ron DeSantis. I'll probably help uh, be on the campaign for the president in 2020. For Trump? Oh no. What do you think? Of course. Uh, He's well, a good guy. You know what I mean? I know you people, a lot of the people over here, you got a lot of Democrats, and yet they, they're watching CNN. I met the guy. Listen, he's got an attitude, the guy, but he's, he's different than the regular po uh, politician. He mm -hmm. really cares about the country. Uh, he's the furthest from a racist. I went, he invited me to a Hanukkah party, 
where I was with his son-in-law, who's Jewish. His mm-hmm. daughter converted. He's got Jewish grandkids, and and people say he's like part like part of the white supremacist or something. I, I I don't get it. I spoke. He had my rabbi. I was there with him at the White House, and I spoke. So he really means well. Uh, he's got a little uh, bit of an attitude, a little bit of narcissism, but he is the president, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and I respect him for it. He means well, and he says what's on his mind, and I could uh, relate. <laughs> yes, you can. You can relate to that. I've never met the president. I just asked that he stay off Twitter. That's all. Some of the, you know, he that's tweets it. some stuff, but yeah, I don't know. I, that's just me. That's yeah, just my. That's that, my. Opinion. That's okay. I don't have a problem with you saying that. All right, um, Andrew Pollock. We're going to wrap up and get to the final three. Uh, thank you for being here. I know you've told your story a lot. Um, this is the second time I've heard it, actually, but it's it never um, it never gets easy for you. I can see it in your eyes. That kills me uh, when I think about my daughter all the time. It's really uh, heart heart wrenching, you know. And even in my book, I can't even. I try and read some of it, and it just kills me to read what my son wrote. Uh, uh, stuff like that, and yeah. it's not. I don't know. I don't. It's almost two years, and I don't see it. It's not getting better. And I just it just occurred to me, you know, matter no matter if I or anyone else agrees or disagrees with your opinions, at the end of the day, you lost your kid. Yeah, I lost my kid and, and it's facts of what I'm telling. Mm-hmm. I, I have no uh, political agenda to push. I wasn't into politics before this. So uh, I just ask that you look into this stuff at your kid's school and make and make the proper choice of where you're gonna put your child. Okay. Um, So again, thank you for being here, and we will dedicate this podcast to your gorgeous meadow. Thank you. Uh, Let's get to the final three. Best advice you've ever been given? Oh, my father always uh, told me, never quit one job till you have your next job. Good advice, Dad. And and that's my, I always live by that. Uh, And he always uh, brought me up to want to own my own business, but I never quit a job until I had another one, and that's always stuck with me. Sounds like your dad and maybe even grandpa, very hardworking family. Yeah, we always, uh, I always worked uh, a lot. Mm-hmm. And I don't regret it. I have um, semi-retired now. And I'm able to, you know, enjoy what I can right now. That's good. You're in a good place to enjoy life. Yeah, man, I, I couldn't be happier being here in Oregon, to well, tell you the truth. We're happy to have you in Southern Oregon. You moved out to, you're moving to Eagle Point? Yes. Okay. It's a beautiful place. Oh, I love it. I'm out on uh, South Fork, Little Butte Creek, and it's real quiet out there and endless trails and hiking and hunting and orchards and you name it. Okay. So that brings me to my next question. If you ever left this place, what would you miss about it? Uh, I would miss the beauty of the of the mountains mm-hmm. and the weather. And uh, what, what's striking, too, to me is from coming from New York and the East Coast, the people here are just so nice. I meet people and I, they could just want to talk to me for like, I, you know what I mean? It's almost like, what, what's going on here? I don't. <laughs> what's your agenda? Yeah, exactly. But people are just so nice, and I made some new friends. Uh, I actually made a, made a good friend just looking at someone's house to buy, and and then he ended up inviting me over for dinner, and now we're good friends. I'm hanging Man, out with him Sunday. That's how we do it here. Yeah, well, yeah. that wouldn't happen in Florida. Someone would you know, go look at someone's house, and then. They end up inviting you to their house for dinner, and and now we're good friends. Well, don't be surprised if me and my hubs invite you over for dinner All and right, your wife. Well, welcome. This is what we we're do. There. I, I, we're going over there Sunday, and I really, uh, like I said, it, it's like night and day, east coast to west coast. It's, yeah. But it's, it's a little, uh, I got to get used to it. It's a little slow. 
but because I'm used <laughs> to be, you know, getting slow. things done is a little different. But it's something that I'll have to adapt to, and and I could, down. and I could, and I'll have to just deal with it. Okay, just deal with it. Uh, last of the final three, uh, if you were ever given a final meal and a final drink, what would that look like? Uh, well, I there's a restaurant in Brooklyn that I always used to go to. Yeah. Uh, what was it? Um, Peter Luger's. Uh, steakhouse and Williamsburg. I've heard of Peter Luger's. They're yeah, quite I would famous, go for right? the Chateau Briant. I used to go and get the Chateau Briant for two and eat the whole thing. The- <laughs> and it's a famous uh, restaurant. They have like the, the big salad, tomato salad, yeah. and they have the big steaks. And the steaks they slice and they put it yeah, in clarified sli- butter. They, and they slice it, it if you yeah. want the butter, but it's just like the probably the best one of the best steaks you could get. And that's in Brooklyn, Williamsburg. Peter you get Luger's. the one for two and you eat the whole thing yep. yourself. And I, I'm a Scotch guy. I like. I like a scot- good scotch, but you know, I, I've drank a lot of expensive scotches, and my favorite scotch is Dewar's. My grandfather drank it, and uh, it does the job. It does the job. Steak and scotch. You're a man after yeah, my own yeah, heart. Yeah, that's it. I'm easy. Men are easy compared. Like, you know, just feed us. I'm kind of easy too when it comes to food. I mean, just give me a good steak and a good glass of red wine, and uh, no, I'm there's happy. There's plenty of good red wines around here. There's a lot. You're in a good place. Um, One more time, thank you for being here. I do have one final question for you. It just sort of occurred to me. You seem, you know, you in my eyes, you are somewhat of an activist because you are fighting to get justice for your little girl. Do you feel like, and I'm not saying you are not at peace, do you ever feel like, will you get to a day where you think you're at peace, that you're done? I'm not done yet because there's some other people I need to hold accountable. I got two more people on my hit list that, that are responsible for my daughter getting murdered. Uh, one was the sheriff, uh, he was removed, and now I have the superintendent, uh, and whoever signed that document, uh, they signed the document to not hold kids accountable and not have them arrested. Mm-hmm. So superintendent Runcie is one, and then there's another person, I'm not gonna mention his name, he's on that document too. So I have to, uh, I'm working on that, and it's a big part of my uh, civil suit and the grand jury investigation. Uh, that's a big thing that's going on in Broward right now. Uh, the, the governor put in a grand jury into mm-hmm. the school board. So I'm hoping that they help me uh, find some more accountability. And I don't know about uh, being at peace. Maybe one day. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's hard. Yeah, it's tough. I live now. I live day to day. I don't really plan. Now I got this book tour I'm going on, but I'll be looking forward to even when the book tour is over and I could come back to Eagle Point and then uh, relax. That's all you can do, man, one day at a time. That's it, one day at a time and uh, jump in my side-by-side and uh, it's pretty cool. I could drive to Fish Lake with my side. You ever been to Fish Lake? Yeah. What about Lake of the Woods? You been there? Yes. So it's pretty cool. So from where I bought, I could hop in my side-by-side and drive up through this mountain and take the back roads to those lakes. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. There's a lot of people who've lived in Oregon their whole life and they're jealous of you right they now. They don't even know. That. I, there's people that live down the street from me don't even know they could do that. They're living there like 10 years. I'm not awesome. even, I didn't even close yet and I found the path to get to that. That, that was unbelievable, that yeah. place, Lake of the Woods. I, right. I really liked it. Well, enjoy the book tour yep. um, and enjoy your new property. I'm really happy that, that you're here and you're settling in. And I'm going to let you know because, let you go because your phone is absolutely blowing it? up it's looking. blowing up it's good because you're focusing on me i no, like it, I didn't look it. I didn't uh look if you're it. listening to this podcast on itunes and you like it please subscribe rate and review it helps other people find us we're also on google play and stitcher you can check out the video portion of this podcast at ktvl.com just click on features and then off script one more time andrew pollock thank you so much for being here and look for your book awesome